Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome to The Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, John Archiquette, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Joshua Gray. Hi, how you doing? I have nothing witty to say about your as always or as usual or anything this week. So well, you know what? I'm still happy to have you. I'm I'm happy to be here, even if when you're even when you're lacking witticisms. <laughs> uh, what else do I bring to the show? If I'm not witticism, <laughs> right? Your technical know-how. That's that's it. Yeah. All right. So joining us this week, we have some special guests joining us for the first time. We have Ms. Davida Cohen, and she is the Veterans Justice Outreach Specialist. And we also have Jennifer Yanez, and she is the Healthcare for Reentry Veteran Specialist. So there's a lot of words to explain there, but essentially they are the coordinators here for the Veterans Justice Program. Um, you know, Josh and I kind of just recently learned about the Veterans Justice Program, um, working on a story about a year and a half ago, two years ago. And it was kind of eye-opening to see the amount of involvement that the VA has in dealing with uh, justice-involved veterans. But um, I'll get it to you, ladies, because you guys are the, the, uh, the experts here. What is the Veterans Justice Program? So the Veterans Justice Program is a uh, program for uh, justice-involved veterans. Um, it's a way of um, helping um, former service members um, become active um contributing members of their community. It's a way of um, helping them avoid um, criminalization and remaining in in jails or prisons and becoming um, part of society. Um, The program brings together legal counsel, court staff, Department of Veterans Affairs, and other organizations in the community um, to help veterans who are facing any criminal or legal issues. So it's, it's, um, usually what happens is veterans um, uh, work with attorneys and to see if they can have um, cases that they're facing um, be presented to a veterans treatment court. And um, if their cases um, meet that criteria, then they can um, have the case referred. And it's either a veterans docket, which is part of a vet, um, a, another court, or it's a veterans specific treatment court. So what are some of the criteria that go into whether or not a, you know, a veteran qualifies for this program? Um, it has to be certain types of charges. Um, it can be uh, felonies and misdemeanors. Um, and, um, it, you know, it, it, it's discussion between the attorneys and the treatment courts. Um, and if the charges meet those criteria, then um, the veterans can be, you know, referred and accepted by the treatment court. So you say a, a treatment court. Well, what exactly is a is a treatment court for for the people out there listening that maybe don't know how this process works? So it's it's what's called the therapeutic model, um, it, as opposed to just a regular court. Veterans have to. Um, if they get their cases accepted to the courts, veterans have to participate in treatment during the length of time they're in the court. Let's say for the purposes of the courts in Las Vegas, it's about 18 months. Um, other courts I've served in before in other states, it's it's up to two years. But in this, for the purposes of this state, it's 18 months. They have to participate in treatment, um, either if they're eligible for VA care at the VA, um, if they're other than honorable, 
um, then they go out to the community. The court helps to refer. We help get them services in the community. They have to participate in treatment because it's therapeutic. And if they do all their treatment and all the requirements of the court while they're in that program, they can potentially have their charges dismissed after they've completed everything in the court. So this is a, a diversionary program that mm-hmm. in, in lieu of going to prison or we're jail. Gonna send, or, or jail, because yeah. there is a difference. Yes. Um, <laughs> we're going to send you through this program. Right. So how does a veteran get to the point where they they say, hey, this is an option? Is is it like they're talking to their lawyer and they know they're going to they're going to probably end up being incarcerated? Or is this before you even go to trial? Like how does, where, where does that work in this process? Well, they talk to their attorney and if they have, um, if the charges are, can meet the criteria, like there are certain charges that are excluded, violent crime, um, meaning like, you know, murder. Um, there are certain charges like rape and other sexual offenses that are left out that would not, would be excluded. Um, and things like that, sexual offenses. Um, um, but if the charges meet the criteria to be accepted into a court, like a treat, veteran's treatment court or a veteran docket, then the lawyer can make the referral to the treatment court, usually to the court coordinators, and then the court coordinators present it to the court team. Now, the VJOs don't get involved in making the decision on whether the case gets accepted. We, we stay out of that part. The part where we get involved is once the court team has decided that the case can be accepted, then the court team sends us a release of information and then we start getting involved and getting the veteran connected to services. That's our part. So, and then from then on, we're involved in getting them involved in treatment, making sure they stay in treatment, making sure if they miss any appointments that they get follow-up making sure they meet all their treatment requirements so that they can complete that court program. Is there kind of an upper or lower level of um, whether it's federal federal charges or is it local, municipal, county? Like where, where do most of your folks fall into in that? Well, if it were federal charges, there are there is a federal court where we have um, made some inroads towards working with a federal court. We haven't quite started that yet, but we did have some conversations on that level. Um, but we were they're mostly, you know, on the local level that they've committed, you know, crimes and things like that, crimes and felonies and misdemeanors. So a lot of this really depends on the participation of the court itself, correct? I, I know yes. when, when Josh and I were kind of working with one of the groups in Henderson, um, there was a judge who was a, a former, former Marine, Marine vet yep. um, who was very instrumental in getting that set up. And boy, he looked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but from what I understand, um, this is going to be set up in, in North Las Vegas now, correct? Um, well, one of our newest courts, I'm, I'm involved in the district court and um, with, with one of our other VJOs, Serena. Um, I'm also involved in North Las Vegas Justice Court, and our newest court will now be North Las Vegas Municipal Court. So that will be the newest one. We just started uh, a month ago was our first court session, and we had our second one yesterday. And we're building that court, and it's very exciting. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just from the ground up and we're putting all the structure in place and everything. So yeah, it's, it's a really good thing. The more treatment courts we can have, the better. So right now we have six. Six within Southern Nevada? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
so you know it was really interesting seeing kind of how they they participate in that because we, we got to kind of watch you know how the sausage is made in the background you know we, we <laughs> saw the the meetings that the the lawyers would have with the va representatives and with the judge yes and, and the district attorney and the district and attorney. a whole bunch of other people and yeah. it's, it's it's interesting because you think in court you think this adversarial relationship between the the defense attorney yeah. and the the district attorney and the, you know the judge and where they're all kind of competing with one another but Seeing, you know, in the background of the Veterans Justice Court, it almost seems like they're working together. Right. You know, right. how does that work? Well, my experience, not only here, but like at, at my previous VA in, in Washington State, is that a lot of the staff who are in treatment court are veterans. The, de the public defender is a veteran. The prosecutor is a veteran. Mm -hmm. The judge, you know, the, they have mentors in the court who are veterans. They were, they may have even been in in court as, as participants at one time. So, they're all part of. They're all um, working collaboratively to make this process happen and be successful for the veteran. You know, they all want to see the veteran get through and graduate on the other side, and it maybe even come back and mentor themselves later on. So they want to see this work out. And I've seen one of the one of the things that made me want to go into this um, job and and do this position in the VA as a social worker and be a VJO is that it's one of the 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 jobs in the VA where you actually see a veteran enter into a program, do treatment. Treatment is required to be in this program. Do the treatment, get something out of it be successful, come through on the other side and graduate, and actually stay with the VA for maybe long term and, and, and realize the benefit of being in the VA. So it's kind of like a win-win for everybody. Now, when you see a lot of these <laughs> veterans that enter the veteran justice uh, court system, uh, are a lot of them enrolled before they, beforehand or a lot of them kind some, of find out about the VA through the program? Yes, yeah, some are. Um, we find that some aren't, and this is their first time that they they get enrolled, and um, they're they're excited, they're surprised that they didn't know what was out there for them, and um, they they're they're happy to be doing it. You know, they're like, "Wow, I'm really shocked! I didn't know all this was available to me," and so it's kind of like an eye opening experience for them. And oh, yeah, and some some are not. Um, eligible, but they start um, exploring whether they could be, um, whether they could explore a claim. And actually, we've had a couple in district court who, um, in the in the time that I've been in that court recently, they found out they were eligible. And so they start getting services. So it's kind of exciting that way. Yeah, and there's so many other opportunities that they could take advantage of, whether it's vocational rehab or, you know, obviously the healthcare system, veterans yeah. benefits. So, you know, it's great that if, you know, unfortunate that they, that might be the, the way that they have to get into the VA system, but at least they find out about it and, and they're, they're able to, you know, use the Veteran Treatment Court program as well as the other VA services. Right. So is this a, is this a program where, like, they have to request to, to come into the Veteran Treatment Court program? Or is it something that uh, you get, like, a, a roll-up where somebody says, or, or one of the courts come to you and say, hey, we have four veterans that have entered the, the, the criminal justice system this week. Um, 
like like how does that how does that how does like if somebody doesn't have a lawyer that knows about the program are they just out of luck like uh, or is there a way to find people that may have otherwise been missed it's a good question um we have a combination of ways um, as VJOs and as the um, H, as the reentry uh, person in our program, um, Jennifer also, uh, we do outreach to the jails and to, to the prisons. And um, there's uh, at CCDC at Clark County Detention Center, we have a veteran pod. So before COVID, we were doing a lot of outreach to that pod on the sixth floor, it used to be on the sixth floor, it was just a veteran specific pod. And um, we we would talk to the veterans and veterans would have questions about, hey, I heard that there's a veteran court or whatever. We would talk to them about that. Plus the, the courts also go into the jails and they talk, they see if there are people who may be eligible. Um, a lot of the staff at the VA ask us a lot of questions. We get a lot of emails and questions about, hey, I heard that I, I have this veteran that has these legal issues. Do you think that you know you could reach out or do you think they might be eligible? Um, veterans, you know, you know, ask us a lot of questions too. And so we refer them either to the public defender's office or things like that. So there's a lot of opportunities for veterans to to ask. Lawyers just reach out and ask us and you know and, and then we refer them to the court coordinators there's all kinds of ways that we can get people connected to the idea of you know does this person meet criteria and stuff like that sure and i'm sure with being social workers you know, there's probably <laughs> a lot of like you know warm handoffs that you guys are doing between one another when you know veterans become justice involved yes yeah we're gonna take a quick break and then we will be back to talk some about uh about how a veteran leaving the prison system becomes reacclimated to society. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. Millions plan for retirement online. Estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, and manage your benefits all from the comfort of your home. And give yourself the freedom to do what you want offline. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. (laughs) COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel. But now there are vaccines and they are the very first step that let us get back to what we miss most. It's okay to have questions. Is it safe? Should I wait? Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision when vaccines are available to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can. But it's just as important to take time for yourself. AARP can help. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. 
Welcome back to the Nine Line Podcast. So we spent the first half talking to Davida about uh, all of the stuff going on with the Veteran Justice Outreach. And now we're going to let Jennifer talk. Yeah. <laughs> but we do have a second guest here today, and I want to make sure that we get to, to some stuff that uh, is within her purview of responsibility, because it's kind of related, but it's also very different. Mm-hmm. So Jennifer Yanez, she is the specialist for the uh, healthcare for reentry veterans, and sometimes known as prison reentry, but, you know... It's kind of the other side of the coin from what Davida yes. does. Mm-hmm. You want to tell me a little bit about the program that you run? Sure, sure. So the other branch of the Veterans Justice Programs is my position, the Healthcare for Reentry Veterans, um, sometimes known as Prison Reentry, sometimes known as HCRV, um, sometimes known as the Prison Lady, however <laughs> you want to say. Uh, but it's an outreach-based program with a central goal to promote successful community integration. Um I go into state prisons here in Nevada and try to engage the veterans to sometimes just even enroll in the VA, um, but certainly to consider some of our transitional housing programs, treatment programs, anything that they might be eligible for, whether it be VA or community that I can link them to um, so that they have a successful reentry. Um, And part of my role, too, is to do the pre-release assessments so that they can have a viable re-entry plan. Um, We are, the homeless programs are an approved parole address. So we work with parolees and with veterans that may be expiring their sentence uh, to go into our transitional housing programs and, and seek services. So at what point in the veteran's incarceration do you begin working with them? Great question. Um, the targeted time frame really is to start working with them about six months pre-release uh, because if they have to submit parole packets or if they have parole board hearings, all that starts you know, long before their parole eligibility date, um, sometimes as much as even you know six to 12 months before their parole eligibility date. So targeted time frame is about six months pre-release and then um, depending on the person and depending on what they need usually I'll work with them for a couple of months post-release sometimes longer uh, to make sure that they're linked to appropriate services and engaged with their new case managers and providers and all of that. So kind of in in, in the, that vein what exactly are you doing with them over those those six months? Mm-hmm. Um, Well, it definitely starts with the assessment to see what they're eligible for. And then if they do want to utilize our programs to to parole out, then I work with the pre-release unit, parole and probation, uh, to put together a program for them. Um, And it really is individualized. So some people need housing only. Some people need to get into psychiatric treatment, um, addiction treatment, medical treatment. Um, and then there are those that aren't eligible for those things that may need community resources. So uh, we get all of that started before they release so that they have a hopefully more successful re-entry into the community. And where the Veteran Treatment Court isn't necessarily involved in something where like uh, violent crimes or, or sexual assault related crimes, uh, do you have that kind of a restriction also or... Um, is there are there people you you can't help? There's no one I can't help. So um, I could work with any veteran, any conviction. 
Um, having said that, there are limited resources for sex offenders in terms of um, VA housing. So in that case, we usually look at either community resources. Um, there is a program up in Reno that uh, is under the HCHV program in Reno that, that will accept um, sex offenders. So, you know, there are some challenges, but we do our best to make sure that any resource that a veteran can utilize, they know about um, pre-release. So from what you've seen and what you've heard, how do you think veterans, reentry veterans do reacclimating compared to some of the general prison population? Well, I think, you know, anecdotally, I hear all the time from the reentry veterans, like how truly grateful and appreciative they are of reentry services and outreach. Um, so while I don't have any statistics on that, I would say that overall, my guess is they probably do better because they have more resources available to them. Um, and, you know, sometimes the best plan for somebody coming out of prison is not to go back to live with family for whatever reason. Um, and so we have transitional housing programs that they can utilize and gain new skills and work with employment specialists and case managers and behavioral health providers and, and you know, gain some independence before they maybe even initiate contact with family or friends again. Um, and it just allows them that time to work on themselves. I would imagine that, you know, for some for some people, you know, falling back into old habits, falling, you know, mm -hmm. whether that is with family or friendships can bring them back into those <clears throat> situations mm -hmm. that put them in prison in the first place. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Imagine. Yes. So we really try to target any behaviors that would lead to rearrest or reincarceration um, and, you know, focus on keeping them out of prison. Yeah. So what are the short and long-term goals that you have for a veteran once they have you know, left prison and re-entered re society? Mm -hmm. Short-term goal, I would say number one is always going to be housing um, in terms of my position and what I do. I, you know, meeting those basic needs is so imperative because if someone comes out of prison and they're homeless, you know, obviously there's a high likelihood that they may be rearrested. So housing is definitely number one. Um, then working towards finding what kind of treatment they need or engage in. Um, and the longer term goals, I would say, really is working with them to instill hope, trust, independence, self-esteem, so that ultimately they can pursue their own goals how long do you keep in contact with the veteran once they've left? It really depends. A lot of it depends on how long they want to keep in contact with me because, <laughs> you know, I link them to what is going to be their new case managers and their providers. So some of them, you know, I may have only one or two contacts with them post-release. Um, and I have, you know, some people that have been out of prison for a year and they're still calling me with updates. 
um, just working with one that's that's been out for about six months and I'm not doing any of the hard work. He has a case manager, but he's in our HUD-VASH housing program now. Um, so he likes to call and just keep me posted on, you know, he finally got to buy the blender that he wanted and, and things <laughs> like that. So yeah, it's very rewarding and you do, you know, build trust with people that maybe haven't had a lot of those trustworthy relationships in their lives. And so, yeah, they, they, they definitely look fondly most of the time uh, back and, and keep us updated with their lives. I mean, you can't say enough about having the quality of having a good blender, right? <laughs> it's so true. Absolutely. <laughs> this kind of this question's kind of aimed to both of you guys. Um, what are the most rewarding parts of your job? Well, definitely the most rewarding part of my job is seeing their success, whatever that means. So for some people, success is staying out of prison. And for others, success is moving back to another state after their parole requirements are met and moving back in with their families. Uh, for others, obviously, success may be employment, retraining, um, finally getting rated for a service-connected disability claim so that they have some income. So just seeing them meet their goals, whatever those goals are, is very, very rewarding. I, I think um, I would say something similar to that. And also, I, I think um, just in the short term, watching veterans um, start engaging in treatment, um, those who were resistant initially, and then watching them um, start going to addiction treatment here, um, finding that trust in the providers and going to mental health treatment, um, watching them have you know, let's say they go back to court every two weeks and watching them have that success rate, you know, and, and move from, the, there are four phases in district court, so going from one phase to the next phase and, you know, presenting their letters to phase up, mm -hmm. reading their letters to the court and talking about what their goals are going to be. It's just very enriching to to hear what, they, what they're sharing with the court, you know, and it's just nice to watch that process over time and watch them graduate. And there are different people when they start. Mm -hmm. They're kind of like very humble and sometimes it's sad, but they're kind of ashamed of who they are. But as they develop throughout that time, they they become proud of who they are, you know, mm -hmm. and they when they graduate, they're very they feel like a sense of respect about what they've accomplished. Mm -hmm. That's that's one of the beautiful things about watching them graduate is they be, they come become different people. And, and this seems kind of a um, it, this is one of those things that we kind of ask everybody now. But how has coronavirus and, and the pandemic changed the way you guys do everything? Because not only was it going, especially for for you, Jennifer, because there were so many concerns about COVID in prisons, mm -hmm. uh, but also you know a, a lot of the prison system was was shut down. There's no visitors. I think you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. Um, and then not only that, but you know, are you seeing? more people doing things that would cause them to get put into uh, the veterans treatment court programs because they just have no outlet or you know have you seen like an increase in cases or a decrease in cases well i think for the for prison reentry uh, it has been a challenging year because of covid 
the Nevada Department of Corrections shut down all visitation. So the I can say that the unit caseworkers especially really stepped up um, and we've been doing everything telephonically, but they've really made themselves available so that if there is a veteran um, that needs assistance, they contact me um, and we get that all set up. So, you know, it's just everybody has needed to step up in a different way to make sure that the needs are still met. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to being able to go back in person because it, it does make a difference, I think, when you can sit in front of somebody and, and complete an assessment because then they, they have that personal connection. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to being able to, to get back in there. Yeah, well, I know they changed the structure of visitation at CCDC, Clark County Detention. Um, you know, we couldn't go up into the pod, so everything has to be done telephonically in the in the bubble or the lobby downstairs. You know, you call up to a veteran. Um, as far as the courts, um, district court started doing things by BBC, um, by video, and um, we're not back in person yet. But that's worked out fine. Veterans have really adapted beautifully to that. You know, they, they get the link in their email and they they show up in court without it, it pretty much any problem. Um, some of the other courts are still live. Like Henderson had the option for people to, um, to do it either way, but um, you know, you can go live and then the other courts, like my North Las Vegas court, Justice has been live. So veterans, you know, they, they didn't let veterans, you know, come through, like they would let them in one at a time and things like that. But yeah, veterans have adapted. And as far as referrals and workload, I don't think it's let up. Okay. <laughs> it seems like we're getting more and more people all the time. And very, very, the thing that I've noticed, and just to be quite frank about it, is that we're getting quite a lot of um, very compromised referrals right now. There's quite a lot of um, uh, veterans who have a lot of um, drug and alcohol problems that are quite severe right now. I don't think that COVID has changed. Um, I mean, it, it, I don't think it, it matters one way or the other about COVID. I, I think that the drug and alcohol problems are severe, but I don't know that COVID had anything to do with it. I don't think that it. I don't think that it stressed people out because of COVID. I just think it's the nature of the time. Sure. You know, it's times are what they are. You know, people have the problems that they have. I don't necessarily think. I. I don't have statistics on that either, so I couldn't say for sure. I just think people have the problems that they have and. The, these are the drug and alcohol problems, the mental health problems that people have. Sure. You know, we couldn't necessarily make a connection one with the other. These are just the problems that veterans are having, and we're getting the referrals. Yeah. I mean, we, we've spoke with uh, mental health people and people with the uh, the Las Vegas recovery program. Yeah. And I mean, they they've said the same thing regarding you know during COVID yeah. and during the pandemic that they've they've seen increases in number of referrals and yeah and uh, you know abuse situations. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is. Maybe they're just coming out more now, you know, because this is, it's just a coincidence, maybe. We don't know for sure. You know, you'd have to see some numbers on that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we want to thank both of you ladies for joining us today. This has been a very interesting conversation, and uh, we look forward to, to working with you guys again in the future. We're happy thank to you be so here. Much for having us. Yeah, yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, quickly, before we go, I do want to address two quick things. Um, for those of you who have not gotten the COVID vaccine yet and start, are still interested in getting it, we are still giving walk-in and appointment-based uh, COVID vaccines. However, we will be moving the, uh, the point of dispensing clinic from the main auditorium in the uh, VA Medical Center in North, North Las Vegas. Uh, it will be actually held in room 1A139, and that's near the west entrance. So if you're still interested in getting it and you walk to the auditorium and see that there's no longer a vaccine clinic there, follow the signs. We assure you we are still doing COVID vaccines. Also stay tuned uh, to the VA uh, Facebook page and our website because the VA 2K will be happening in about two weeks. And I believe it's May 19th, but uh, we'll be doing it virtually this year. So if you're interested in participating in that, details will come. Uh, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Las Vegas VA. Thanks for listening. <laughs>